Welcome to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer with me, Sarah Bannum. The Versatile Writer aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. And this week's topic is all about newsletters, or, to be more precise, the newsletters I write. This episode merges with and continues on rather nicely from one I recorded a few weeks ago on the topic of building a community. So if you listen to that one, some of today's content will be on similar lines. The reason I decided to talk about newsletters this time, there's been a lot in literary and podcasting news lately about subscription services, so it seemed appropriate. Though, that said, my kind of a subscription service is a little more human and a little less technological. You'll find out why in a bit. So let's start at the beginning. Why have a newsletter at all? Well, here's my take on it. I run a business that offers creative writing services, including ghostwriting, writing sales copy for businesses, and the occasional proofreading and editing gig too. I write my own novels, non-fiction, like how-to style books, and I also run a lot of community groups, some in real life and some online. Therefore, for the way my business works, I think newsletters are a good way of gathering all of that information all of the current news and sharing it widely in one go to the people who show interest. It's also a great way to keep in touch with your readers, other writers and anyone shows an interest in what you're about and certainly what your writing is about. Keeping in touch is one thing but remaining connected and engaged with them is another and a newsletter helps you do that. It's a good method to use for announcing good news too, maybe like a new service or a brand new book that's coming out. It's a great way to build a wider community of readers who may well be interested in reading those books. For self-published authors particularly, newsletters are a handy resource. As a writer and business owner, I've been considering starting a newsletter for a long time before I actually did, years in fact. But I went through all of those things I generally do. Things like, who'd be interested? Am I being egotistical, thinking people will want to know what I'm up to? And what on earth would I fill it with? That's self-doubt speaking. It's something I go through often when I'm trying to figure out the best way for me to proceed. Other creatives have it too. That's creatives with a capital C. If you scroll back through all of the versatile writer episodes, you'll see one entitled self-doubt. I mention it a lot. It's worth listening to that one if you haven't already, or re-listening if you've heard it before. It was one of those podcasts that seemed to speak to a lot of people. I find each episode resonates with me at a different stage in my life or writing career, so it's possible they will with you too. So let's take a look at how I shaped my newsletter. First of all, I had no idea what I'd fill it with. I subscribed to several other writer newsletters and decided... After reading theirs, I had an idea what to include and those things would definitely interest people. I know this because if you take things down to their base level, if you're interested in something, chances are someone else will be too. It's just a matter of finding those people. I also wanted mine to be a specific kind of resource. I wanted to bring people together rather than just sell, sell, sell to them. While there's nothing wrong with that kind of newsletter, please don't get me wrong, it just isn't for me. Again, switching things around. Do I like to be sold to? Not all the time, no. So that wasn't a good way forward. 
I knew it was going to be conversational in tone, but I still needed to work out the content. And don't forget, this is a monthly newsletter, so I wanted to have topics each month that resonated with readers and me writing it alike. I also like the idea of having a topic one month and linking it in the next month too. I like this for two reasons. Firstly, it's consistent with the previous month and the next, and it's also helpful for me when I write it. If I look at the previous month's content before I begin the current month's, I tend to get into the flow really quickly to write it. There's nothing worse than sitting at the keyboard and waiting for a topic to fall in your lap. If you wait too long, the month has passed and no newsletter has been published. I'm the kind of person who likes to be prepared, in control and even better garner an interested audience because that interested audience will come back each time. And to do that you have to have consistency and a regular newsletter and interesting content. So I knew the tone I wanted to write it in and I knew the kinds of things I wanted to share. I pretty much, therefore, knew the shape of it. I knew it would be conversational because I find that eases the eye into the content. It's not formal, it's friendly and I'm drawn to that myself. Friendly equates to being human and being real and that's what I'm about. I also find that being informal and having a conversational style helps me get the words down and enables the readers or listeners to absorb the content more easily. I learned this years ago with copywriting and writing non-fiction, but it was made really clear to me when studying at university. If the books were dry and formal, I was immediately turned off. But if the content was friendly and conversational, the information went in, absorbed into my brain and better yet, it processed and registered easily. About a year of toying with the idea, as I do like to procrastinate, I finally made the decision to do something about the newsletter. That was 18 months ago, and the newsletter has been published at the end of every month ever since. I always publish it at the end of the last working day of each month. That way, it may well be the last thing that arrives in subscribers' inboxes before the new month starts. The last thing in at the end of the day is often either ignored until the next day or it's looked at with a tired mind. Both are useful to me. Honest, they are. Because I'm then waiting for and dealing with someone who wants to open the email rather than someone who's got don't sell to me right now barriers up. I know this because I'm exactly the same. If I see a familiar name attached to that last message of the month email, I'm lulled into a headspace of OK, this is going to be nice, it's going to be about writing, and I might even get something out of it too, mindset. If you've listened to other podcasts from The Versatile Writer, or you know me personally, you'll know that I'm not naturally gifted in the tech department. So this is something I needed to be on top of when it comes to the newsletter. I didn't want it to be a dread at the end of each month, because if that happened, I would likely stop writing it, because it's become a chore. If I stopped then that gives out a message that says I'm bored with this or I'm so over this and then subscribers will either pull out of their subscription or just not bother reading the newsletter at all and that's something I really didn't want. I looked at different newsletter subscription sites and decided there and then that I would take the tech role myself rather than overcomplicating the procedure. I realised most tech is out there to simplify or ease our lives but that's not always the case is it? To begin with, it wasn't going to go to a huge amount of people, so I could invite anyone to subscribe by asking them to email me. 
Now, I don't say this because I'm talking myself down. I'm just aware that what interests me, which is what the newsletter will cover, won't necessarily interest thousands of others, at least not at the start, but it will interest a few. I asked that in that email to title it with newsletter, so it would stand out in my inbox. My intention was, and has been, to gather the interested parties and send them an email each month. Another reason why I didn't want to overcomplicate things and get lots of tech involved was because, for me, being human is more important than throwing every new idea into technology land. Of course, if I end up in time with hundreds of thousands of subscribers, I'll certainly get tech involved then to simplify the sending of it. Right now, though, the subscription list is manageable. It hasn't escaped me that asking people to email their interest means that the potential subscriber has to take the time to open up an email, put in my address and type newsletter in the title and click send. Much of today's marketing is down to technology leading the way at the click of a button. However, there is a school of thought that says if a window pops up and you click it and you enter in your email, you just don't think about it afterwards. And I wonder if it's philosophy that's at work here. Click once and later you'll see an automated newsletter appear in your inbox, which you might or might not open, dependent how you feel, what it looks like and how your day's going, blah, blah, blah. Or do you take the time to think about it and take the time to sit and read the newsletter? The tech way works for most people, but I'm not most people. And neither of my quote unquote tribe, those interested parties I mentioned earlier, each to their own, I guess. It's worked this way for 18 months, though. So many people listening may well be thinking, that would take ages to do. And sure, it may well, but those ages are usually around 20 seconds or so. But the way I see it is that doing it this way would eliminate those people from being on the list who wouldn't want to take action or spend that time anyway. If they don't want to take that action, then chances are they may not want to be an active part of my newsletter community anyway. And this is where you find your tribe. Those are the people who go the extra mile like you do, or are into the same kinds of things that you focus on. Finding your tribe is one of the greatest things about the writing community, because we are all very, very different. So, on to the newsletter content. First and foremost, as I said, I didn't want the newsletter to be salesy, and most of the things it started out with was free information. If there was one sales thing in it, then fine, but I didn't want the whole thing to blatantly sell. We get sold to so often in our day that a hard sell can easily turn us off. And that may sound strange, being that I am a businesswoman. But it was intended to be a freebie sent from my business with the idea that if they liked what I'm saying in the newsletter, they may well want to head on over to my website so I could pick up a sale on there. A friendly sell, you might say. However, the newsletter was essentially going to a community of interested people who might want hints and tips on creative writing, maybe a mention or two of some of the challenges I've gone through, and they may also be too, and also, if there was a challenge for them, something for them to interact with the newsletter community, then that would be a cool addition. I thought of it similar to a monthly magazine where you might get articles, a crossword, a recipe type thing, something on a very community basis. Obviously I wasn't going to include recipes but having a call to action or a way for subscribers to get something out of it rather than just a read would be a good thing. It began with hints and tips and some philosophical thoughts about creative writing but after a few months it grew into that and so much more. 
it evolved. I added writing prompts and writing challenges so subscribers could contribute to the content the following month. And every so often I dangled the carrot of a freebie gift or discounted service, so something exclusive for subscribers. Last year, one of the freebies was a book, one of my non-fiction books about writing prompts. It's called Writing Naked, Writing Without Boundaries. And the discount was a substantial amount off my courses within a limited time. And by the way, you can find that book on Amazon. In short, the newsletter had evolved. This worked well because, one, the prompts and challenges ignited subscribers and imaginations. Number two, it gave them a call to action with the word count and a deadline attached. Three, it meant that the following month, other people within that newsletter community would read their work and, potentially, look them up so it was free exposure. Number four, for me, it took up space within the content. Lastly, number five, it meant that a community was connecting. Now, in the 18 months I've been publishing it, there are three specific newsletters that stand out for me. I'll read extracts of them to you shortly, but one covered the theme of mental health, how we treat each other and ourselves, and provided tips about ways as writers that we could let out our feelings. It also incorporated the hashtag Be Kind. Another newsletter contained an emotive prompt and garnered several responses which went into the following month's newsletter. That was quite a storm and warmed my heart at the same time. And the third was tinged with a display of grief for me regarding a late relative and how that bereavement affected my writing routine. Here's the first one I'd like to share with you. This month, in light of the social media hashtag Be Kind, I'd like to consider how to connect with your feelings and how best to use those feelings within your writing. Feelings are very personal, often private things. And I know that some of you who request this newsletter have worked with other people's feelings in a professional capacity, but we've all done it in a literary and social capacity. Metaphors are often used to explain how we connect with our feelings. Those metaphors are usually either, in inverted commas, wearing my heart on my sleeve or buried deep within. There's often no in-between. However, we all have feelings and this is the same for our characters. But not all writing is about fiction, and not all writing is intended for an audience. In my experience, I think this boils down to being appropriate, whether that's being appropriate to the genre or appropriate to the intended audience. Don't forget, an intended audience might just be yourself. Not everything we write needs to be shown or shared. Creative writing can be a beautifully intimate exercise, a relationship between the words and your mind, using a pen and paper as the joint medium. It can be cathartic, a positive therapy, or even a psychological experiment paralleling a character's thoughts. Emptying your mind of deep, dark, unpleasant thoughts will bring relief just as much as relaying your upbeat, positive, excited feelings can. And that's where the social media hashtag be kind comes into play. Being kind to yourself can mean letting out those feelings or it can mean embedding them into the foundation of a novel intended for publication. Be kind by allowing yourself an outlet through creative writing. Here are some genre suggestions in which to expose your feelings. A newsletter offering helpful ideas to your readers just like this one. A novel 
allowing one character from your cast to embody your own feelings, whether they're upbeat or negative. Create a plot visualising how that character intertwines their life among the rest of the cast. This can work for almost any genre from sci-fi to romance, from war to paranormal. Poetry. This genre of creative writing seems to have been created entirely for emptying a writer's head of unwanted or loved feelings. As they say, fill your boots. A blog. Usually intended for an audience with a call to action, however, an opinion block is a useful way to put forward an argument or simply to talk about how you're feeling about something. Free writing. This is something I do frequently. Put your pen on a pad or your fingers on the keyboard and just see what happens as a result. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be published. It's an exercise purely to let out what you're feeling at that exact moment. Afterwards, it can be shaped into something else or filed in your computer's delete file. In the first instance, however, just let your feelings flow. A diary or a journal. Similar to free writing, using a diary or journal can be a helpful way to empty your mind every day. Looking back over the weeks, months or years, it's also a brilliant way to gauge if your ups and downs are cyclical. Flash fiction. Used to tell the shortest of stories, flash can be as few as six words, 50 or up to 500. 50 may envelop short strong feelings that cannot be instantly embellished until you've seen your own words and processed them, while 500 might allow more explicit investigations of your feelings. These are just a few ideas you can use to let out your good and not so good feelings. I'd love to hear if any of them worked for you, so please try them by noting how you felt beforehand and again afterwards. Until next month's newsletter, be kind to yourself and be kind to others. If someone isn't kind to you, write down how that made you feel and please report back the method you chose. The second newsletter I'd like to share was this. Here's a profound question. Have you ever wished you could edit your life or edit a decision you made to make the result better, just like we do in creative writing? The reason I ask, aside from it being a superb writing prompt, is that the past few months have given me a very full brain. When I feel like this, I'm forced to prioritise, but that brings with it its own issues. What should I focus on first? Is it worth focusing on the older things, the newer things, the things that will encourage an income? The things that wrap up an ongoing project that will leave me free to think with clarity? But if you could edit a part of your life, would you? There is the argument that if you changed anything, then you wouldn't be the you you are. We are the way we are for a reason, and because of influences and circumstances within our lives. But then there are those times when you react badly to how someone spoke to you. Maybe it hit you so hard that your mental health was knocked for days, weeks, or even years, when chances are the other person wasn't even aware they hurt you that much, or at all. It might have changed the way you thought about yourself and altered the decisions you make. Or maybe it was you that treated someone else badly and the feelings of guilt you were left with made you feel numb with guilt or even temporarily superior or powerful. I often think about my profound need to leave a worthy footprint. 
to ensure that my existence was worth something to someone long after I'd gone. I think about it a lot, and with each birthday I realise I might have more years behind me than ahead. However, racing towards the end by wrapping up all my works in progress suggests that A. I won't be smelling the roses as I age because I'll be rushing through, and B. Maybe I won't complete them all anyway. After all, each one would require a lot of time and effort. Despite that, the completist in me still wants to finish them all. So what if we edited our lives not to start those stories in the first place, or even edit it to complete them within the first sitting? Maybe we need to use Time Machine to edit our lives, and with that might come the temptation of using it for more than just to edit. Lastly, the third newsletter that struck home with me was this. February appears to have flown by a little too quickly for me, if I'm honest. It is the shortest month, but that shouldn't mean we achieve less. However, I think this month I have. This month we said goodbye to a family member and, now spring seems like it's definitely trying to prove its presence, February feels like it brought the end and the beginning of many things. Seasonally, it marks the end of winter and the beginning of brighter weather, something that most writers appreciate, as nature can be quite a big deal to us. Personally, it brought the end of a dear man's life, as well as one of my writing projects. Both left me bereft, a feeling of nothingness and numbness, a void to fill. But that's what life's all about, isn't it? It's a never-ending circle. Before February really took hold, I'd been spending a huge amount of time and energy on finishing a project. I completed it in the first few days of the month and once it was over, I felt absolutely exhausted. I had lived it, breathed it, dreamed it, wrote it, watched it and loved it since November. The project was utterly all-consuming. In fact, you might say I was obsessed by it. One night, I talked to my husband who knows I have obsessive qualities as part of my personality. He appreciates I can be intense or I can be exhausted and there's rarely a middle ground. Daily life really is an all or nothing scenario for us. But this one night I asked him what he thought of this current bout of obsessive writing and he replied, maybe that's how you're coping with it. The it he referred to was the accumulation of the bereavement, the pandemic and my project. I hadn't considered my obsessive behaviour as a coping mechanism before but it was certainly something to think about. So there you have it, three very different kinds of content for the same newsletter community. I spend approximately a day putting it all together and then count up all the odd hours here and there waiting for contributions to come in. The deadline I give and the word count helps a lot with that. Having contributions means I also learn how other writers deal with their successes and challenges and once it's shared, it means the rest of the subscribers learn it too. Knowing there are other ways to deal with our successes and challenges helps us all because we all have our own perspective on things. If you'd like to be part of my newsletter community, I'd invite you to email sarah at loveofbooks.co.uk with newsletter in the title and click send. It's as simple as that. It's worth knowing too, in line with UK GDPR regulations, your email address is never shared with a third party. I'd love more subscribers, whether you're a writer, reader or another interested person, and from all over the world too. 
I hope this week's episode of The Versatile Writer has given you something to think about, whether that's joining my newsletter community or even starting one of your own. If you do the latter, I'd love to hear from you via the Versatile Writer podcast group on Facebook and let me know how you get on. The group is a safe space to discuss further topics I raise on the podcast. It's also another community I've created under the For the Love of Books banner. This podcast aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers, so thank you for listening to The Versatile Writer with me this week on the topic of newsletters.